0: that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No and conditions apply. website for details. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Conversations From Away. I'm your host Aaron Michael Ray and y'all I'm really excited for this episode because may is aapi heritage month and i'm so excited to bring on two guests that are part of the come from away family um and we're going to introduce them to you now our first guest is christine toy johnson who plays diane on the north american tour christine and i have done the tour since the beginning and christine i'm so happy to talk to you today and to just have you on so thank you for coming
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And our second lovely guest, another CFA family member, is the Pearl Sun. Um, <laughs> Pearl is also, she was a, fa- a, a fellow standby uh, sister brethren with me. And I am just so glad that there is another standby uh, family member here on th- on this episode. So Pearl, thank you so much for joining us as well.
3: Oh, it's great to be with you.
1: So I, so yes, for AAPI Heritage Month, I'm not going to lie, y'all. I embarrassingly did not know that AAPI Heritage Month was in the month of May. I, I want people to know that it's okay that if you don't know when, you know, That is, and we can just talk about it and we can, you know, have a conversation about it. But, you know, I think, especially as a Black person, I know every February I'm like, Black History Month, Black History Month. So I did feel kind of embarrassed when I found out that not until recently that AAPI Heritage Month was in the month of May. But I'm so glad to now know. And now that I know it, I will acknowledge it every single May. And I'm really looking forward to the AAPI Heritage Month's moving forward. Um, so-
2: Aaron, Aaron, you're not alone. So thank you for all of that, what you just said, but you're not alone in, in not uh, knowing
3: about the month. <laughs> Thanks. Well, and also, I mean, isn't this what we're all here for anyway? I mean, this year has been a year full of uh, learning and discovery and meeting each other Uh, in ways that we hadn't before. So I think that uh, I'm grateful for your embrace.
1: Well, thanks, Pearl. So, Pearl, I'll ask you, um, how do you celebrate AAPI Heritage Month?
3: You know, I think think this month will be different than other months for me. Um, I just, I think every day I want to try to reflect on Um, someone either in history or someone currently who has done um, activism and activist work. Um, I've learned about a lot of activists from decades ago who I had never heard of and only really within the last year. Grace Lee Boggs and, you know, I just, there are so many of them and we don't know about them because, and that's purposeful. Right. Yeah. So our history is being erased here in this country on purpose, and um, so that—that's my work. I think this for this coming May is—is is to learn more for myself. I took a, an Asian American history class in college, and I chose that for myself. And had I not chosen that for myself, there's so much that I would not have known. Um, so there's that. I want I want to eat good food this month. I want to <laughs> spend time and uh, be in community with my friends. And um yeah, I just want to and I want to just put out good narratives and and maybe help help others learn more um about our
1: history. Nice. What about you, Christine?
3: Well, I I
2: think that for um the past uh, I don't know 10 or so years, I've been trying to Um, create events that amplify our Asian American fellow artists um, in one way or another through my writing or through uh, gathering people in community. Um, Pearl was in one of the events we did several years ago called um, Asian Americans on Broadway. We had this amazing company of of fantastic uh, Broadway Asian American actors, singers, dancers. We did excerpts from Gypsy, The Light in the Piazza, the producers and company. And you have not lived until you've seen Pearl Sun sing Not Getting Married Today. <laughs> that was amazing. And um so that a was video really, of that. Yeah. Well, there are some <laughs> clips. I'll send them to you another time. Um I, I got to sing Margaret and Light in the Piazza, which I would like to do oh. someday. And uh-huh. um with Ali E. Walt and Josh Chela Cruz. I mean, come on. Oh
1: my god. And Jose lovely. Lana
2: was there. And it was just an amazing, amazing group oh. of people. And Herata, um, yeah. Love. All all of our all of our people. Um, and then also I started something called the Asian American Musical Theater Writers uh, Project, and we did it, it's meant to um uh, do celebrate works created and sung by Asian American artists. And we've done a couple of things. It's been a little dormant lately, but we did a a concert of, of all new works um, by various Asian American musical theater writers. Uh, We did that uh, several years ago. And uh, this, this year uh, I am, I have the opportunity to do a couple of things. Some related to, as Pearl said, uh, celebrating Asian American activists. I'm doing an event at Lincoln Center as part of their restart project uh, on May 19th, which is the centennial, would have been the 100th birthday of Yuri Kochiyama, who was a Japanese American activist. Uh, I also happen to write a monologue about her for a project called Statue Fest that will be premiering that Friday. So there are a number of uh, ways that we are uh, looking to celebrate and amplify all these great people in our history. Because as Pearl says, our history has largely been missing from not only uh, just the general American narrative, but uh, more specifically in our schools. I don't remember reading anything about major events in, in our history in fact, I think a lot of things I've learned have come from my, my writing about it in various plays, et
3: cetera. Also, for me in school, the only reason why I knew about the Japanese internment camps before my college class that I took was because my English class assigned Farewell to Manzanar. Huh. Hmm. That's the only way that I had heard about it, the only reason why I had heard about it pr- prior to my college course. So, and Yuri Kuchiyama... And Malcolm X were best yes. friends. Yes, she was there when she he was no, there. Yes, yeah. when he when he was yeah. assassinated. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I and it's it's really interesting how you talk about the erasure of of the Asian history because something that I think you know is unfortunately too common is any history that isn't a white history of any kind or European history tends to be erased a lot. And that goes for the AAPI history, uh, the Black history, uh, trans history, you know, all all of those things. I mean, it's just unfortunate how common it is to be erased. Indigenous
3: peoples as well. Oh, I
1: absolutely.
2: Mean, I think it has to do with things that, the, uh, that seem embarrassing, quote unquote, embarrassing in the American narrative. So our, you know, our um, story has always been about Um, being this great beacon of democracy, which it is, but it also has this horrible history of xenophobia and exclusion and systems of oppression. And uh, for example, the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 that lasted 60 years was responsible for my own father not being allowed into this country until he was 10 and not even with uh, with any kind of um, s- papers that connected him to his own father. So there's there's a whole history of of exclusion and how various people were not allowed to come over uh, for over over sixty years.
1: Yeah, it's I, I that uh, hearing all of that, you know, it's I just hate how common that is. That you know there are so many things that we just don't know, and you know, and hearing that story about your dad, that just it it's unfortunate that we have to that has to be a part of your history. And so with this episode, I really wanted to highlight, you know, for AAPI Heritage Month, I just want to only amplify every single thing that you two are doing. And I also (laughs) just want y'all to know that y'all are trailblazers in this industry. And both of y'all are making history doing what y'all are doing yourselves.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
1: And speaking of which, so Christine... I mean, yeah. I feel like since I've known you, you are the definition of multi hyphenate artist. Oh my lord! I mean, Christine, <laughs> what can't Christine Toy Johnson do? I have
3: I have a lot I of mean, I have a lot of energy. <laughs> I, I I had the uh, the uh, distinct honor of. Glancing at her calendar once <laughs> and i i mean when when you talk about first of all, it's so organized of course and everything's color coded and is full y'all it's full <laughs> I mean she wears so many different hats and wears them so well oh, and nice. and you know between her performance work and her her uh, writing and her activism and and her you know panel discussions and her you know leading all these different organizations it's crazy
1: Oh yes I am aware of this <laughs> I I feel like even when we were on tour and we could be in the most random city and Christine would say you know after rehearsal well I need to go record my podcast or I'm writing or I'm doing this so Christine you are one of the founders of the Asian American Performers Action Coalition. I'm yes. so glad I said that correctly. Yes,
2: um, APAC, <laughs> otherwise known as APAC, which would be a little simpler, maybe. To yeah. that. <laughs> so go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, you know, gotta say the full name first, then That's we right. can, thank you. you know. Yes, thank you. Um, so how did this amazing organization come to be?
2: So uh, in about, I think it was 2011, it actually all started with a Facebook post. Our friend Pun Bandhu, who is... Um, an amazing writer and a Tony award winning producer, uh, speak of, speaking of multi hyphenate people. Uh, <laughs> he also was a graduate of Yale school of drama and, or is a, a graduate of Yale school of drama. And he posted something about how he had just gotten his first audition for a, one of the major off Broadway, uh, theaters in New York city, 10 years after he had graduated from arguably one of the best, um, uh, Acting programs in the United States, and and how strange it felt that it had taken ten years to get an just an audition at this place. And he said he posed the question: Is this happening to other people? I wonder, are we being underrepresented (laughs) (laughs) in New York City theater? I laugh, of course, because it's it's absolutely the case. And so we gathered people together. To start talking about it, um, and of course, the pa- the Facebook post generated many, many responses. Yes, me too. I have not been to be, uh, been seen by any of these places, um, and we decided to form a group to look at the to see if our our theories were true. To for, to um, gather other people, have some forums, have some discussions. Eventually, that led to um, gathering statistics about uh, various uh, actors from historically marginalized communities in New York City. So our mission has been to look at these numbers uh, and underrepresentation on Broadway and uh, at the 18 largest nonprofit off-Broadway theaters. Over the years, uh, we have gathered these statistics to also include now Uh, board members of the nonprofits, this spoiler alert, it's pretty homogenous, directors um, and and writers. And the statistics have been used quite broadly and widely to open up these large conversations about how we are underrepresented. And not only that, but the economic impact that this subconscious or not, Exclusion is affecting all of us um, that are that are being uh marginalized put in uh, the plays that are being redlined to the smaller spaces in the in the theaters uh, etc and so it's um it's been a, a it's a grassroots totally volunteer grassroots organization of now eleven uh working actors and we now have funding from the American theater wing to continue our our statistic collecting, but it's been uh, really quite uh, something. And uh, I'm proud to say that we received an Obie Award uh, in
1: 2020. Yes. For, uh, for yes. award and inclusion. Yeah. Well, congrats I on mean, that.
3: Jumping on that, though, Christine, I distinctly remember, I don't remember the context of which in which I heard you say this, but you were speaking about how somebody had approached you uh asking for if you knew anybody who could play so and so such and such role. Um I also feel like um they, they all often come to you as the Rolodex for <laughs> yes. Asian American actors. Yes. Um and then in addition to that, there was somebody who had said, well, there might not there just might not be um enough Asian American actors to play leads.
2: Well yeah. So there are a and lot of
3: things, yeah. And your response was so beautiful, which is, no, they're there. They're just not given the opportunity to be leads. So how do we, how do we nurture leading Asian American actors, but to give them the opportunity to allow them to shine and then grow, right? Well, I, I know from my experience that I only get better with every role that I take on. Of course. Of course, as everyone,
2: as everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard so many, so many questions. I am I am considered like some Rolodex and or I will hear uh, where are there any Asian American actors or writers now? Now it's 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 changed to that. And I would say you want to do you want to look at my iPhone because you can just look (laughs) at my contacts. But the other part of that is I will get inquiries like, do you know any Asian American actors? For this project I'm working on. And that's where the sentence ends. So I want to say, uh, can you please give me some more uh, qualifications, uh, descriptors, uh, anything, characteristics that
1: you... Voice parts. Exactly.
2: (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine somebody saying to casting, uh, we're looking for some white actors, period. You know, right. and so that unfortunately is also, I think, really indicative of the way we have been looked at largely as a monolith, and uh, with with no, I mean, a label and no no specific um, qualities of individualism, and that's that's been a, a big problem and and something that I've been trying to really address for all of these years in my advocacy through Actors' Equity and now the Dramatist Guild and, of course, through APAC and whoever else asks me to speak about it, <laughs> which is hence my full calendar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. your calendar is all colors of the rainbow, highlighted, <laughs> gel pen, all of it. I do
2: that. not discriminate against the colors. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I mean, I... it. It's so interesting that you talk about, you know, do you know any Asian American actors, period? And, the, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. I've even gotten that, you know, too, with, you know, any Black actors, that's it. Period, And, I, and yeah. I'm just kind of like...
2: <laughs> yes, I do. What else? <laughs> so, you know, it's yeah, like, exactly.
1: every, like, you have to realize <clears throat> that, like, Yes, we're out here, but what do you be specific in what you need, you well, know. to
3: my friend's credit, I just got a text this morning actually asking me if I knew if I could give him three names of Asian American women who are in their 30s, who are motherly and who have a dry wit. I was like, oh. "Okay, that's better." Yeah. And, to, and to which the response I was like, "That's very specific." Yeah. And I gave names, but but like I was <laughs> half surprised and stunned. And I don't know. It just, yeah. it was great. It was great.
2: I, I also would just want to give a little PSA, take a, this opportunity to give a little PSA about actors of any stripe having online presence so that we can recommend you by sharing a link to a page, even if it's a web page with just your contact information uh, I that that I'm just throwing that in there, not a little off topic, but not really.
1: Oh no! I mean, this is very important, <laughs> you know, especially coming from the Christine Toy Johnson over here. <laughs> yeah. You know, some of the I mean, that I feel like, especially with you know, even when Pearl, you were saying, my friend texted me, I need this. Like that's giving somebody a job, you know, and that could really change something, and that could build a working relationship <laughs> with someone too, and it, at the same time, it could educate someone. Who hasn't, wor- who hasn't just, you know, like you said, put, um, put all of, you know, a certain marginalized community as a monolith. Like,
3: right. you know, I mean. Well, I want to see, he actually, he was very specific. I loved how he worded it. He said, um, hey, my love, can I pick your brain? Name three Asian female actors, dry wit, but also motherly 30s. Putting a list together and form my presentation would like, want to see where my blind spots are. Love That's that.
1: Awesome. That's Isn't awesome. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I really yeah. love that. Wow. Yes. Um, so Christine, I'm still gonna pick on you a little bit. Um, <laughs> only because I have to give you a huge congrats for now being a dramatist guild board officer. You are the treasurer of the dramatist guild. Thank That's you. huge, Christine.
2: Yeah, I'm real it's such an honor. It's an it's an honor. Um yeah, so I have been um, a member of the Dramatists Guild since 2006, and then I was elected to the council in 2016, um, sitting with arguably almost every living American writer that I have ever admired. And so it still kind of freaks me out to be in the room with them, all of these amazing writers who, many of whom are at the peak, who are at the peak of their careers, who are serving to just advocate for writers and um and our and our rights. So then I was elected uh as an officer with um Amanda Green our first female president in the 100 year history of the guild. Ooh, Brandon wow. Jacobs Jenkins our first uh black male officer, he's vice president and Christopher Diaz our first latino officer and I am the first asian american officer of the guild. Wow, so wow. Um, that is it's, huge. It's amazing and um it's an it's a phenomenal group of of leaders, and we're um, we're just rolling up our sleeves and getting to work with with uh, continuing to advocate for writers and uh, and a more robustly diverse American landscape of storytelling.
1: I that is. That is amazing. And I just can't express how proud I am of you for that. I think that is such a huge accomplishment. And again, this is just another moment where, you know, to some people may not seem like a big deal, but you just named so many firsts that have to do with some of the officers (laughs) that are elected, including the president, who is the first female president, like all of those things just continue to fuel my optimism for how change is really coming. And we know that on the horizon, like we really, if you squint hard enough, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and you know that, you know, it's, it's only going to get better because now there's more representation and there's more of people. There's more BIPOC people at the table. There's more queer people at the table. You know, we, I'm it, those things just really, really, make me so happy to see so congrats on that
2: well it's a very it's been a long road you know there's been um there there have been many many people um we're we're standing on their shoulders and we're um we're continuing the work uh for literally decades
1: um
2: but yes you know i like to say we're farther than we've ever been
1: that's true (laughs) that's true right um, so Pearl, you have a virtual concert that you are producing.
3: I I am co-producing. I'm part of an incredible team of Asian American uh, producers. Now, uh, I think I'm one of seven. Ooh. We're all doing little bits to uh, put this uh, together. We're doing an all Asian uh, gentleman's guide to love and murder a condensed yes. version of the show. And uh, we begin rehearsal actually in the month of May. Oh, so I, th- I think it's a, a really wonderful thing and it, and it's going to be airing on July 15th uh, and all the proceeds or donations that we receive, contributions that we receive will go to the Stop Asian Hate organization. So, um, you know, I, over this past year plus since shutdown on Broadway, I, I took the time and I took some commercial theater producing classes and I, I just thought I can't sit and wait anymore. I want to be part of the change. Um, and there aren't, there just aren't enough of us on the other side of the table. And it really it really struck me about five years ago when I did two back-to-back pretty high profile um, developments labs of shows. And I just looked at the, the sea of elderly white men, Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs)
3: you know, watching me. And I thought, Oh, there's a reason why there's only one of me on this side and why we're telling a certain kind of narrative over and over and over again, it's because there's none of me on the other side. So how do I change that? And that was five years ago. And so finally the, the wheels, the hamster wheel stopped for a moment. And gave me a, a breath to be able to see to say, "How do I contribute in a in a bigger way? Because I, I feel like as an actor, the only real power I have is the power of, in saying no to something. and I want to live my life saying yes to things, right? And so I want I want to be able to have more creative control over the work that I do and the work that I helps to to support. Um, so that's one project and, you know, I have a couple more lined up.
1: Oh Um, yes. And we're, we're going to get into that.
3: No, a couple more producerial stuff.
1: Oh, great. Oh, yeah. So,
3: I mean, but you know, I'm not going to air it out yet, but you know, the Schubert organization actually, um, they, they have created an initiative for, uh, emerging BIPOC producers that I applied for. So crossing fingers.
2: Oh, that's great. Um,
3: and it's it's a very exciting opportunity. So we'll see how many how many they they dole out because they weren't specific about how many they were going to honor, but they wanted to hear what we what our mission statement is as producers, and they were going to provide a bunch of um, support for it. So.
1: That's amazing. That's
3: fantastic.
2: Yeah. Go Schubert organization. Yes. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think, you know, I just wanted to um, amplify something you said that, that it's so important to really recognize whose stories are being told and through whose lenses, because it can no longer be blamed on our, our lack of existing. We've heard this so much um, that the, our, the lack of parity is because of, us not existing and that's not true. But it's uh, about producers and uh, others who have uh, the opportunity to lift up those stories even if they are not being told through their own lenses to recognize that there are other narratives that need to be out front so that we can get a fuller picture of what our global story really is.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I, I feel like for years I have been saying, you know, nothing just grinds my gears more than, you know, when someone's looking for a, a specific, um, uh, car- uh, w- you know, for a breakdown for a role we're auditioning for, and they say, you know, oh, you know, there's just no, there are just no Black uh you know, dancers, or there's no blackness. And it's like, no, you're not looking hard enough. That's really Mm. just what it is. You don't want to do the work to look hard enough. And Mm. so, and that's just for acting, you know? And so there are so many other, you know, there there are writers, there are performers, of course, there there are so many, we're capable, we're all capable of many things. And so it just infuriates me when I hear things like that too.
3: Well, and I and I look at you know I I think I think the very first time I ever laid eyes on Christine was it when she was in the Music Man. Oh, I and love she was that one show. of the pick a little ladies, right?
2: And what Come year? On, was that? 2001. All that right, was the, first yes. time, the last that was revival. the first time
3: I had seen her, Aww. and I just was so thrilled, you know, because and I'm Christine like please let me know. We've never gotten to talk about this, what it's like at the stage door um, outside of Come From Away. It's amazing. But I know for me, when I come outside, if there are any Asian faces uh, who had watched the show, they're so grateful Yes, yes. And saying, you know, I know how hard this is, but keep going because there's so few of us. And to be able to see me represented on stage is incredible. I mean... And that's how I felt when I saw you in Music Man. And, you know, it it matters. You know, representation matters so much, Uh, you know, in a broader scope, in addition to theater, but definitely film and television. So many people in this world may not have the opportunity to interact with Asian people in their lives, uh, day to day lives. And what do they learn or what do they see? But what's on film and television and so we need to broaden the perspectives of what people are seeing because they again we're we're erased in our classrooms in history and if if you're only getting a certain narrative in film and television, then you miss the whole of us right you know I think, I think unfortunately,
2: what we've really learned in in deeper ways this year. Uh, is that there is a direct line between the underrepresentation of our stories being told through our lenses, which often leads to the perpetuation of harmful stereotypes, mm-hmm. straight to the dehumanization and erasure of our three-dimensional di- selves, and, and then and, the harm. And then into the harm. And so because if, if we are erased, then we are somehow looked at as dispensable um, and expendable. Without and, feeling... Right, and it's it's literally become a life or death issue now, uh, for for uh, for us. Yeah, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm I love how I really do love Pearl, that you were able to have that moment of saying even you know seeing Christine for the first time and saying like Hey, you know, there we are, like we're over here, we're doing it, you know. And I even when I saw my first Broadway show, there was one black woman in the ensemble and she was one of the dancers and the whole show I was watching her. I just <laughs> felt like, cause it was my first time yeah, seeing a Broadway yeah. show. And then I was like, oh, there, I see, you know, I see someone who looks like me and that like yeah. people, you know, I'm just going to say that, you know, I feel like white audience members never have to worry about that. And that is a privilege that they have. And
3: I mean, I need a shout out to the very first Asian American actress I ever saw on television, and I was a a kid, and I was watching Different Strokes, and Rosalind Chow was his uh, one of their teachers, and I I just was in awe that somebody was on the screen that looked like me. Oh yeah, and it just was so beautiful and. And now I follow her on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I love one that. Day, too. One, one day I'll tell her. One day I'll tell her that she was she was the the first.
1: Oh, I <laughs> love that. That's amazing. I, I love those yeah. stories of you know. I remember seeing myself when blank. You know, those are always well. You know, really it's sort of it's,
2: you do sort of think about how. I, I mean, I do. Um, I, I, I'm older than both of you, but thinking, how did I even have the nerve to go into this business? Because I really see saw hardly any uh, role models in theater, film, or television, and yet I somehow decided that this was a good idea, and and it, and it was. It was. It's a very good idea. I've had. A, <laughs> I'm, I've had a, a, I'm very grateful for my life in in the industry, uh, but but it does make you think. Uh, how when you don't see yourself represented what kind of impact does that have on on a a person um and how we internalize that
3: i mean i i think the only real reason why i've had the audacity to do any of this is because my parents were amateur chinese opera singers and so i grew up in the theater but in that very specific genre (laughs) of theater and so it felt natural to be on stage. And I did several productions with my parents as a kid growing up. And so when I was in high school and we did high school, you know, school productions, you know, it just, first of all, I was grateful to my high school because, you know, they cast me as Sandy in Greece. I was the narrator Uh in Joseph, you know, things that, that are not meant quote unquote meant for me. Um, and so I think that I along the way I just had people you know just give me space. And so I think that's where my audacity
2: came from. Yeah, I have to say my parents also were, have always been my biggest fans and my biggest supporters. So uh that that is that's definitely a big uh
3: part of the journey. I mean, my parents once they once they gave over, they gave over, but I'll tell you, it took them a very long time. They just did not want me to pursue this because at the time, there were hardly any faces. They they were worried I was going to starve to death. Mm. And it wasn't until uh, college that they said, okay, I think she has something. We'll support. And from that moment forward, came to every show, was, you know, huge fans. But it just, it took a while because they they just didn't, again, they didn't see it. Mm.
1: And that, and honestly, I get it. You know, I mean- I feel that you know when you don't, especially as I'm, I'm not a parent, but I feel like if I was a parent, I would be just nervous for my child going into an industry where we don't see each other. And even you know, even in my middle school, you know, I remember my my dad would say like, okay, so who are you know who are the who are the black uh, students you're friends with, or who are, you know are you making sure you know like are do you have black friends in your school and that kind of thing. And I. I got that in middle school, especially, a lot. I um, I definitely got that, but I, just, I don't blame your parents for feeling that at first, but it makes me so happy that they are big supporters for both of you, and they come see your shows when they can. And I hope that they've been to all the performances you wanted them to come to. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, yes.
1: All right, we are going to take a quick break. All right. Welcome back, ladies. So uh, with an increase in the violence and racism towards the AAPI communities, especially since uh, the COVID-19 pandemic started, I know that I don't want to just, quote unquote, listen and learn like what a lot of the country says that they're doing. So what is the best way that we can show up for the AAPI community in this time?
2: I think there are a, a lot of different ways. Uh, I would say, on a on a really simple human level, check in with your your API friends and colleagues. Um, a lot of us are not okay right now. It, the, the community is in a lot of pain. There are a lot of personal stories about being harassed, discriminated against, or even afraid to go outside. Uh, even more than the past year has taught us to be because of the, the coronavirus. And I, I would just offer that as, a, as an initial thing. I, it's meant a lot to me to hear from, from people uh, just to touch base and say,
3: uh, how are you doing? I'm thinking of you. Uh, yes. And um, in addition to that, there is this wonderful organization called Hollaback, H-O-L-L-A-B-A-C-K, Um, you can find them. They have websites. They also are on Instagram. You can just find them H O L L A B A C K. And they offer bystander training, uh, programs that are free that are one hour long that you can take from the comfort of your home. Uh, they're all virtual and it really gives you tangible steps in the case that you are a witness to, um, A hate crime happening in front of you, and I think it's useful whether it's Asians that are being attacked or LGBTQ uh, trans Black community. You know, it just it just helps everyone, right? It gives you step by step ways in which you can help in the moment because that is often uh, something that I'm reading about or hearing about is that. You know, it's it's shifting a bit where people are stepping up and helping out, but often pe- uh, victims will talk about the fact that people were around but nobody helped them, and that to me is even more painful. Uh, like the woman who was attacked on Forty Third Street, and the the men, three men in the building were watching it all happen, and they were doing nothing to help. And even something as simple as calling. Um, Just shouting out, hey, hey, just to distract. Distracting, right. Bring
1: attention, yeah. Bring
3: attention. And or if you're too afraid in the moment to get physically involved, then the moment that it's over, go attend to that person. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them if you would like them to call an ambulance for them or 911 or anything or family member, Mm -hmm. you know, just just humanity humanity right (laughs) right Right. Um, i i I talked i took
2: the bystander training i I think a week and a half ago and it's just fantastic it's very
3: easy to understand and i highly recommend it too and yeah and i took it last week there was they did one specifically for how to help uh, against police brutality when you're a witness to police brutality how in which you can help um, uh, the website
1: it... I was told is called Ihollaback.org oh, for those right. for those right. who are listening right. ihollaback.org. org.
3: Thank you so much for mm-hmm. looking that up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's really for the time being that's that's what we can do right um, yeah. on a bigger scale
1: vote. <laughs> Of course, right.
2: don't give yeah. up your vote. Right, there's don't, so there's so yeah. Sorry, Pearl, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. I there's there's so much to there's do. There's so much to do. I think that also, you know, on the on the on the simplest uh, level, also of of having compassion for one another, uh, is uh, is being open to the idea that we all have much to learn about one another, and we all have unconscious biases that we're carrying around. And if we can all challenge ourselves to really take a look at those and see what kinds of stereotypes we might be feeding into when we're not even aware of it, I think it will help uh, break down those barriers of of stereotyping and um, uh, helping one another.
3: And helping to see each other. Yeah. I mean, really, frankly, just, just... That's what. That's all we need, right? Is to be seen and mm-hmm. to be understood. Mm-hmm.
1: I thank you for thank you for saying that because I just think that unfortunately, with you know, with with the increase in protests that were happening last year, I think so, there was so much attention on it, which is good, but it also only just increased for some reason the increase in violence that was happening in Atlanta recently. You know that was absolutely devastating. And and like you said, on 43rd Street here in New York, like it unfortunately happens everywhere. And mm-hmm. I just need our listeners to know that, you know, we need to, we really need to make sure that we are all seen, just like Christine and Pearl are saying, seen and understood. And that is the most important thing for sure.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I had talked about this before too, that we saw this, I mean, I, I saw it first in March of last year. Mm-hmm. It really didn't get reported until the end of 2020.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so it'd been, it had been going on for months and months, and it had increased and increased and continued to grow. Um, but, and, and a lot of my friends were like, why aren't we complaining about it? Why aren't we saying anything? And it be, was because... Um, my advice was, we have a bigger fire to put out right now, and that was post George Floyd, um, and you know our our black brothers and sisters are hurting. Let's let's care for, for what's going on, and now now our house is on fire too. Of course, <laughs> so yeah. but but we I wanted to make the space for uh, for what was happening. Uh, What continues to happen, what has been happening for centuries, but was really just so devastatingly um, real for Mm -hmm. us, for the for the global world to see. Right. And that's what made the the case so so different. And I also think that that's also why uh, Derek Chauvin was guilty on all three charges is because of how how horrific that tape was. Hmm. Um, the hate crimes against Asians are, are not ending. They're not slowing down. Um, if you don't follow the right uh, sources, you're not going to know about them. They're happening all day, every day in multiple cities across the country. So um, as Christine said, just, just be there and be be our angels out on the streets as well. On the sidewalks because that 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 helps us to walk around and and know that we have support out there mm-hmm. in case anything were to happen.
1: That's good to know. Uh, so Pearl, before come from away, um, you were the standby for the role of Diana on the first national tour of Next to Normal. So what yes. were the resp- and so you were standby and you were covering Alice Ripley. Um, yes. so what were the responses like from the audience whenever you went on? Because there's obvious, there's something a little different about you and Alice Ripley, I think.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, um, you know, it was twofold, right? So the tour was advertised as don't miss the Tony award winning performance of Alice Ripley. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So audience members would walk in if they open the program and they see that Alice wasn't there they felt like they were already missing something, even if they didn't know her, right? Right. Um, which a lot of people did know her. A lot of people were super fans and had seen the show several times and then came on tour and, you know, oh, you finally came to my city, blah, blah, blah. So um, so I had to win them over, you know? And it yeah. it took, and I could feel the energy from the audience. and I And there were times where I audibly heard groans. <laughs> uh, before the start of a show. And I said, you know, it's fine. Uh, let me just do, my, do what I need to do. And I could feel like the audience crossing their arms <laughs> almost in, in, in indignation, right? And so it, it isn't until, if you're familiar with the show, um, the first big solo that that, that role carries is um, I Missed the Mountains, which is about, I would say about a, a, a quarter to a third of the way into the show. And um, that was the moment after I finished that solo where I felt like all their arms went okay and dropped and where they just kind of said, okay. And then by the end of the show, they were with me. They were totally with me.
2: Yes. Because you're
3: amazing. Which was amazing. You know, it's just, I was like, yes, I got them. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it was a hard win. But one story I tell, um, well, there are two more things. There was one instance in Seattle where she was sick and um, she had a cold and she started the show and I was the dance captain as well and I was sitting in the audience at that time watching as I do to take notes and I could just hear from the opening number I was like oh no she doesn't sound okay she doesn't sound okay and then as the act progressed it just got worse and worse and it was just I was so heartbroken for her um, and then I always go backstage during the intermission when I'm watching the show. And as soon as I open the door backstage, my stage manager says, you're on. <sighs> so I had 10 minutes to warm up. <laughs> oh. And I always make the joke that uh, Diana Goodman walked into you know, ECT, blonde hair, uh, haired Caucasian, walked out of ECT, black haired and Asian. <laughs> because the start of act two, the start of act two is, you know, she's, she's experiencing the ECT and, and post ECT the treatment. (laughs) Um, But the staff members over at the fifth Avenue theater in Seattle approached me and said, Pearl, I have to tell you uh, we've never received more in the history of our theater. We have never received more letters and emails and phone calls thanking us because they were a part of that evening and that they were grateful that they got to see both of us, which was so lovely. Um, But I just distinctly remember in Los Angeles, I was sitting in the audience watching the show again and uh, I was sitting with one of my other standbys on one side and then there was a gentleman, there was a, a gentleman on one side and his wife on the other side. And during intermission, he's flipping through the program, and he turns to his wife, and he points at my my photo. And he said, now, how's that going to work?
1: Mm. And you were right it, next to him.
3: And I was right next to him, wow. and I was like, wow. "And in, well, inside, my first reaction was, oh, my God. And then my second re- reaction was, it works very well, thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know,
3: I mean, like, I wanted to go... Hey, <laughs> you don't know me. And also, here's the real deal. If I'm playing that role and covering Alice, there's a reason, right? Exactly. So I need to take that power for myself, you know, and say, I had to jump more hoops mm-hmm. in order to earn that role, yep. right? Yep. So don't criticize me. <laughs> Mm -hmm. just because of my face. Don't make an assumption. Don't make an assumption. And, and, you know, and so I just was grateful for that experience of having that time on tour and having audience members just embrace me and also kind of shocking them. I shocked them.
1: Yes, you did.
3: So there. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Pearl.
1: I (laughs) love that, Pearl. Especially, I mean, you know, we both obviously have been standbys for Come From Away. And I think being a standby in Come From Away for sure has really been eye-opening for me as a performer oh. too because I just remember when we also in Seattle, we opened there, the tour, and after one of our first put-ins for, you know, one of our first tracks, I remember just talking to our associate director and I said, okay, you know, I I really want to bring... I know that y'all say to bring myself, you know, to these roles, but like, how how myself am I supposed to be, you know? Because <laughs> like, I cover this person who's white, and when I go on, I'm not I'm not the same as them, really at all. So how does this work? How can I, you know? And I'm really really grateful that fortunately, you know, our creative team and our associates um, have always. From the jump, especially with the standbys who said we cast you for a reason because we want you to bring you to this role, and so you know, and if bringing me adds a layer of my blackness and my queerness to these roles, then I am going to bring that because that's right, who right. I am, and so even yeah, even,
3: here's the-
1: yeah, even ahead, if my, I was just going to say, you know, and I feel like in your in your situation with Next to Normal. I feel like okay so if there's an Asian mom then that's fine you know that there's no way that this world can't exist and that's what people need to understand
3: Yeah I mean and here's the deal about especially with come from away it's a story of every man Oh yes It's a story of 7000 people we're representing 7000 people who landed in addition to the community of Gander So and we are playing multiple characters donning multiple accents, there is no reason why there isn't space and room for everyone to be on that stage. Um, I, you know, and also, they, the creative team had Come From Away had me play Janice for three, nearly three months. That's
1: right.
3: You know, took over for Janice for three months. That was not something that was originally part of the plan. I mean, That role was actually intentionally meant to be um, Caucasian, held for a Caucasian actor, um, because that that role is predominantly a Ganderite. And, you know, Christine, I really want to know what your experience was to, you know, take the show across the country. Playing a Texan woman. Right. Well, you know, there are Asians in Texas, actually.
1: Yes. I can account for <laughs> yeah. <can> <laughs> that. I'm from there Texas. Are.
3: I'm, I'm, I'm just being. I'm no, but there fun. are, but that's not, right. we're not allowed to have that accent. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it's been
2: amazing to play Diane Morrison because, first of all, I love her so much. We're very close, Nick and Diane, and my husband and I, we're, we're, we're very close friends now. And, um, i 've always felt like well, first of all we 've never been asked to do an impersonation an impersonation of any of the people that we're portraying, even if they are the wonderful people that the story is is based on uh, so we 've never been asked to do an impersonation. what we 've been asked to do is bring our uh, our essence to the role and tell the story of these incredible people. And so honestly, when I first got the audition, I really thought, oh, I'm not going to get this because I don't I'm I don't look like uh, Diane, the real the real Diane. But um, but it has been quite a joy to connect with all the things that I do connect with that are that are um, similar to Diane's outlook on life and her her sheer joy and um, and commitment to embracing a second chance. You know, that's so That's what that role is to me. She happens to be Texan and she has that accent. Um, so it's been great. And, and just going back to, I know we've been talking for so long now, but going back to something you said, Pearl, about meeting the kids outside the stage door. Not just I mean, kids, adults, adults like, grown adults too. too. But every city... <laughs> Every city, I would say, there have been uh, Asian American people who come back and and are waiting to see us all. And I can just see it in their faces that they are, uh, they feel a connection because they feel so happy to be somehow represented up there. Uh, I have not had any negative uh, experiences or responses to to playing to playing her. I did I did except for I did hear this is so this was not direct. I did hear that someone very prominent uh, was talking to a friend of mine about me playing this role and said, "Well, that's Diane from is is not Asian." And my my friend said, "Well, she is on this <laughs> this production. <laughs> well, she's doing and, this role, and, so And and the, and the real Diane is, is delighted. Of course. <laughs> of course, of yes. course.
1: And especially- <laughs> You guys
2: are great friends. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, Nick and Diane are so lovely too. They are amazing. They are- They're so
2: generous and warm and loving and everything, everything, you know, you'd want in, in your friends to be.
3: You know who's been the, the just the best to me is Hannah oh <sighs> yes she's been so sweet and so she's lovely. like i want to see you play me one day oh. <laughs> she was oh. so sweet because you know we keep missing each other when you know when she'll come and see the show and but um she's lovely and her granddaughter is lovely oh, and, yeah they're yeah. they're all they're all the best it's i miss everyone so much i can't
2: wait till we're all able to gather again
1: yeah and yes. shout out to the ganderites we love you we miss you yes. We're we thinking do. about y'all all the time and are excited to come back to Gander.
3: Um, there's one thing I want to mention to you guys.
1: Sure.
3: Something that just warmed my heart so much is um, you guys took a backstage photo uh, one day when it was just like a rainbow of you on stage at the same time. <laughs> yes. yes. And I think like a bunch of covers were on as well. So there Aaron was on. I was on. Even, was even on. more than than usual. And I, I just... It just warmed my heart so much to see the community. Like the community of beautiful faces, you know, just celebrating each other and being being on stage together.
1: Yeah. I just loved it. Thank, thank you. you. That was great. It was that a was great, great that was in Oklahoma City when I went on for the first time as Kevin T. And Oh, yeah, it was and, fantastic. Yeah. So I was on for Kevin T and because of just how the rest of the show or how the rest of the cast was set up, you know, half of our cast on stage was of color. It was a true, yeah. like, half yeah. was diverse, half was white. And it was, it really, there was something different in, in those shows that, because um, I ended up going on a couple times, actually a few times that week. Right. I was actually yes. on a lot. But um, I mean, it's
3: magical. Yeah, it's magical.
1: it was really special. Yes. And I think that's honestly a really great place to wrap up. Um, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. I wanted to bring y'all on because, like I said, both of y'all are trailblazers for for not only the AAPI community, but for me as well and for all of Broadway and just all of what y'all are doing is amazing. And I just say, please keep going. You are both encouraging and inspiring me every day. And so I just really hope that y'all know that y'all are doing amazing, amazing things.
2: Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. you.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and so for, at the end of each episode, we always shout out an organization uh, that you can donate to or support or find out more information on. And, of course, we want to shout out APAC. Did I say it right? APAC?
2: Yes, you did. Thank you. Amazing.
1: Yes. And so if you want to know any more information, you can go to aapanyc.org. Um, A-A-P- and will...
2: Sorry, you missed out one, one letter. Oh, A-P-A-C nyc.org
1: oh my gosh of course I missed a letter NYC.org. <laughs> and we Perfect. will put that in the bio for the description of this episode so that y'all can go and donate if you want to um it's a, if you want to donate it's that same website slash donate um or just
2: read or, or just read our visibility reports I think you'll learn a lot
1: yes please take a look at that uh Christine and Pearl thank you so much again I'm so glad that y'all were able to come on
3: Thank you, you. Aaron.
1: All right. And thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.